0: Welcome to In Focus, a podcast from Cronkite News. I'm your host, Taya Francesca Price. Young adults are at a higher risk for depression compared to any other age group. On today's episode, we'll take a look at why that is the case and the role exercise can play in your physical and mental health. We'll hear the story of a college student learning how to best handle his depression.
1: It was as if I was walking around and there was like this really dark black storm cloud that was surrounding me like at all hours of the day so no matter how good anything felt it just didn't really feel good.
0: And in order to learn more about why depression and anxiety are so prevalent among college students I'll sit down with Dr. Ole Teenhouse professor and the head of psychiatry at Banner University Medical Center in Tucson.
2: What we do know is that college students seeking help at college health centers or university health centers. That number has increased over the past few years. So whether that means there's more prevalence of anxiety disorders and, to, and mood disorders or whether people are more likely to seek help, is difficult to decide.
0: But first, a bit of background. A few years ago, a National College health assessment study gathered data from 125,000 students from more than 150 colleges and universities. They did this to better understand a lot of things about the students' health, and the study found that depression had disrupted the lives of one-third of students, with nearly half saying they experienced overwhelming anxiety. This can have profound impacts in the lives of young adults, in terms of school performance and just the enjoyment of daily life. Suicide is actually the second leading cause of death in people ages 15 to 34. But depression and anxiety are very treatable through a variety of approaches. Today, we look at the role physical exercise can play in our mental health. We begin with the story of one young adult who has struggled with depression for years and who found relief in an unexpected way. Cronkite News producer Danica Borges brings us our feature story.
3: 23-year-old Ryan Eckert was a healthy high school student. He played baseball and he was doing well academically. But when he got to college, that's when things began to change. I met with him at a local coffee shop to hear his story.
1: I was diagnosed with depression and anxiety in 2013. I had noticed things were a little off maybe a few years or, yeah, probably about a year prior to that. I was, at the time I was dating someone, I just noticed that I was feeling more and more sad all the time, and it was just harder to, like, break out of that sadness I guess and things just didn't excite me like they used to and so she noticed it too and she was the one who kinda pushed me to go and see a counselor at first.
3: He spoke with a counselor and he took his antidepressant pills but things were not improving.
1: My suicidal thoughts began getting way worse. Uh, Like It was on a daily basis Uh, It just consumed my thoughts.
3: His thoughts grew much darker, which pushed him to call a suicide helpline. Emergency responders took him to a hospital where he stayed for four or five days. After he was released, he met with his counselor regularly and dug deeper into issues that contributed to his depression.
1: But it wasn't until probably about maybe a year after I got out of the hospital, so kind of like summer um, or early fall in 2014, I guess, that I got into the sport of triathlon, Um, and that's, I guess, when things kind of started changing for me.
3: Ryan had been an athlete in high school, but when his depression was at its worst, he was no longer involved in a sport he loved.
1: There was a period of maybe two or three years where I wasn't really playing a sport, and I was obviously still working out just because I enjoyed going hiking or lifting weights at the gym whatnot, um, just to stay healthy. Um, What really changed the most when I stopped playing baseball was, like I said, just not having that passion in my life, something to constantly be striving to do more with and to to kind of push my mental and physical boundaries.
3: There is research that suggests Ryan is onto something in thinking that activities that push physical boundaries may have a protective effect on mental health. Kristen Hoffner is a senior lecturer at Arizona State University in the kinesiology program and the School of Health Nutrition and Promotion. She has a background in research into the relationship between mental health and physical activity
4: we do have some correlations that show that people who exercise a lot are less likely to be depressed. However, with a correlational study, we don't know if people who are less depressed are then exercising more or if people who exercise more are then becoming less depressed. So with experiments, we do see that exercise can help to prevent the onset of depression and lower risk. Um, But, you know, as far as a tally of who is currently exercising. I assume we have equal parts people that are low depressed and are exercising and people that might have high levels of depression that are exercising. But we do know um, from some longitudinal studies that high exercisers can help to prevent
3: and prolong and lower
4: risk um, the incidence of depression.
3: Ryan didn't start out doing triathlons to help with his depression. For him, life took another turn and he had to adapt to a change.
1: The car that I had at the time in undergrad uh, just completely broke down on me and I just didn't have the money to fix it or get a new one. And so I lived probably six or seven miles north of the downtown campus. And so I was just trying to figure out how to get around. And so I got a bike, like a super cheap hybrid commuter bike. Probably after a month or two, I kind of enjoyed biking and then I was already running and so like I'm already biking and running I may as well do something I feel like I need some type of outlet to put forth my energy that I'm dedicating to working out and whatnot.
3: Ryan now trains for triathlons about six days a week. Each day he focuses on one event whether it be running biking or swimming. I made it out to one of his runs with other athletes at about 5:30 in the morning at Chaparral High School in Scottsdale. All of them are ready to run, but they weren't prepared for how cold it was. Which, I took a look at my phone, and it was about 44 degrees outside. The man that led the run suggested they take about 30-second breaks between intervals so that they don't get too cold.
1: Like this, it obviously hurts when I'm doing it, but afterwards I feel really good.
3: According to Kristen, that may be
4: due to chemical changes in the brain. So the same changes that happen when a person takes a medication... Um, that affect the brain, like our serotonin levels, are also happening when we exercise.
3: But there may be more to it than just that. You can take it from two
4: standpoints. There are psychological mechanisms that allow it to help, things like setting goals, accomplishing things, being in a good social circle if you work out with others and with friends. It also targets a lot of physiological mechanisms. So when we exercise, um, our levels of serotonin in the brain change, our levels of norepinephrine and dopamine. Kristen says there is research to suggest combining different types of exercise may be especially beneficial. Aerobic exercise and anaerobic exercise like weight training would show the biggest effects on lowering depression, even more pronounced in a clinical population, so people who are diagnosed with clinical depression. Um, We now feel pretty safe in saying that Any type of
3: exercise, aerobic or anaerobic, will help. To be clear, Ryan and Kristen both say it's important to reach out to a mental health professional if you think you have depression or any other mental illness. Exercise alone is not necessarily the solution.
4: Lots of ways to target mental health. Um, The most common in our country currently are psychotherapy, so going and seeking help from a counselor or psychotherapist, and medication. Um, even though exercise has been shown to work as well as medication in the, in the research, you know, medication works more quickly. Some people are more comfortable with it. Um, anyone who promotes exercise for use with mental health problems like depression, anxiety is never anti-medication or anti-counseling. Um, all three can be used together, although research does not have a lot of promise for an additive effect. But exercise is simply being supported and has the
3: evidence to support it as an additional option. For Ryan and others like him, finding the right balance of those elements has made all of the difference.
1: I'm definitely doing like a hundred times better than I was at the worst of my depression. Um, I mean, I'm not on any medication. I still see a counselor maybe once a month, once every six weeks just to check in. Um, but ever since I got out of the hospital... And then ever since I like really got into the sport of triathlon, it's just been all positives from there. Like I, I feel really good, and I have all these things to look forward to in my life as far as graduating and going out and getting a job in the real world, being a real person.
3: Ryan says he shared his story with us because he wants other people who are struggling with depression to know that things can change.
1: And there's always something out there better than what you're feeling right now. And that is definitely one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is that everything is temporary. Things are changing and there's things that you can do to make whatever you're feeling right now better um, and to go away over time. And so if you're feeling really depressed and you're having thoughts of harming yourself, um, it can and it will get better. Just, you know, as long as you recognize that and you're willing to take the necessary steps to make it better.
0: If you're looking for resources to help, you can find a list to get you started on our website, cronkitenews.azpbs.org podcast. Understanding the symptoms and the consequences of anxiety and depression is crucial, but it can be complicated. In order to gain a better understanding, I met with Dr. Ole Teenhouse, a professor and the head of Department of Psychiatry at Banner University Medical Center in Tucson.
2: Now, both anxiety and depression, as I say, are normal human emotions, but in certain individuals, either one of those, and very often both combined, become so dissociated from reality that they become real impairments. In other words, people get anxious when there's really no discernible reason for their anxiety. Plus, the anxiety becomes so disabling that they cannot function the way they want to function.
0: Do you think that these issues are more prevalent now amongst people perhaps in college or young adults more so than we've seen in the past?
2: Yeah, that's always a difficult question. What we do know is that college students seeking help at college health centers or university health centers. That number has increased over the past few years. So whether that means there's more prevalence of anxiety disorders and and mood disorders or whether people are more likely to seek help is difficult to decide.
0: And what are some of the warning signs do you think that perhaps college students should be aware of, or young adults, I guess, I shouldn't just say college students, anyone really in their 20s?
2: early to mid-20s are typically a time when these symptoms first become problematic in people who develop the disorders okay Mm -hmm. so what you usually notice either in yourself or very commonly in friends or acquaintances is a change in behavior Uh, Especially with depression, there's a withdrawal from activities that are usually involved. The people were usually involved with, and that means then you know one thing leads to another. So they miss classes, they don't go to the celebration of other people's events and so forth. So they are less, less seen in the usual places. Okay, this. And by the way, that holds for anxiety very similarly too. It's also, you know, if you're so anxious about exams that you try and not show up for them, obviously it interferes with your career and uh, some somebody should take notice of that if not you yourself do. Uh, but it's often very complicated because people do other things in response. In other words, they may just Stop going to school, disenroll, do something else, and they're you know, sort of lost to you. Another problem is if you yourself, or you notice in somebody you who you care about, starts uh, using drugs, for example, or drinking more. Okay, that's often a associated problem. People like to call it like self-medication. I'm not sure that's the best term for it, but it's an associated problem that usually deserves to be explored and you should see well you know what's going on that now you know the past few weeks I've needed you know, a couple of glasses of wine to go to sleep at night because otherwise I lie awake and worry for too much is a sign that you know something is not quite right anymore there is effective treatments available much of it has nothing to do with medication okay this is often a uh, question of getting some therapy What's called cognitive behavioral therapy readjust your um, expectations and your tolerance for uncertainty to the level that it's required in college. Secondly, very concrete issues: better time management has shown has been shown to help people. Okay, help with the financial management, counseling about relationships. Uh, learning how to have a regular lifestyle, go exercising, stuff like that, all can be very helpful. And then ultimately a psychiatrist sometimes can come in and prescribe medicine that makes a big difference too, so uh, there is plenty that can be done. This is a group of patients who have a very good prognosis, to use sort of technical terms, meaning get help, get over it, and get on with your life. And you're not from now on a mental patient. Chances are this is a brief intervention that just helps you through a rough time.
0: To leave feedback about this episode and to hear more episodes like this, visit our website, cronkitenews.azpbs.org slash podcast. There, you'll also be able to find out more about the music you heard in this episode and resources relating to depression and anxiety. Feel free to connect with us on Twitter at Cronkite News or Facebook at Cronkite News Online. Also, to be sure you never miss a story from InFocus, subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes to keep up to date. InFocus is a production of Cronkite News at Arizona PBS from Arizona State University's The Walter Cronkite School of Journalism and Mass Communication. I'm your host, Taya Francesca Price. Thanks for listening.